The audio guide to the galaxy is recorded in the Sartek Planetarium on Wajak Noongar land. Good evening everybody and welcome to the Audio Guide to the Galaxy, the monthly podcast produced by SciTech where we take you through a guided tour of the night sky as seen from Perth. In this episode we'll be discussing what you can see in the night sky in the month of June. My name is Leon and I'm joined by Amanda, a professional presenter from the SciTech Planetarium. Amanda, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, let me start with a very basic question. If I'm outside just casually looking around in the evening sky, what sort of planets can I see in the month of June? Yeah, well, if you're into planet spotting, it's definitely worth heading out at around sunset so you can watch the sun set and know you're facing west. And then um, up in the western sky, you'll see the planet Venus. So it'll look like the first star that's appearing in the night sky, which is why it's nicknamed the evening star. But you'll be able to Ah. point at it and know that's not a star. That is a planet Venus. Ah, okay. I've definitely seen that. And so it's the evening star, is that the nickname? Yes, it is. And then just over to the right of Venus in the northwest sky, we have Mars as well. It's a bit dim at the moment because Earth has travelled past Mars and we're quite far away from it in our orbit. But it is still up there. You might be able to just see it. Oh, okay. So uh, Venus and Mars in the west, but Venus is definitely the the, the brighter one, the, yeah. the star of the show, for lack of a better word. Even <laughs> the one to look out for, definitely. The one to look out for. Okay. Uh, is it just those two planets this month? Yeah. In the nighttime sky, definitely, unless you're staying up till about midnight to catch Saturn rising. Or if you're a particularly early riser in the morning before sunrise, you should be able to spot Jupiter and Mercury in the east. Oh, okay. Um, before sunrise. Yeah, I'm not a morning person, so I will not be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I know what planets I'm looking for now. Um, what about any interesting constellations, any stars I should look out for? Yeah, okay. Well, I have one interesting constellation you can head out and check out, which is the constellation Ophiuchus, which is the serpent bearer. So Ophiuchus is a man carrying a serpent or big snake with him. Now, Ophiuchus lies on the celestial equator, so that actually means that it can be seen by observers in both the north and southern hemispheres. Ah, is the celestial equator just like the imaginary projection of Earth's equator up into space? Yeah, exactly. So anything that lies along there, people anywhere on Earth will be able to see. see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, it's also interesting lies along the ecliptic. So planets do sometimes pass through the constellation, making it a zodiac constellation as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. there you go. I, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they missed that one out when they were signing star signs. <laughs> so even though that is all not real, but it's funny <laughs> to think about. So Ophiuchus is like a, an unintentional extra zodiac sign. Exactly. Uh, zodiac constellation, actually, is a better way of putting it. Um, Cool. Um, so it's a snake bearer. Uh, what what else is interesting? Like, what, what should I look for? What's exciting in Ophiuchus? So Ophiuchus is, if you're looking for it, it's a tricky one to spot. It's kind of a rectangle with a pointy top. I recommend using a app on your phone that you could download, like the Sky Tracker app that can help you find constellations in the night sky. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it also might help you find Barnard's star. Barnard star? Yeah. So Barnard star is the second closest star system to us. So you might know that Alpha Centauri is our closest star system. Yep. Well, Barnard star is the second closest star system at oh. about 5.29 light years away. Okay. How far is Alpha Centauri for comparison? About four light years. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's actually really quite close. Compared with everything else in the universe, yeah, quite close. Okay. So Barnard star, the second closest star to the sun... 
well, the second closest star system to the sun is in, in Ophiuchus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of that. Why aren't we telling the people about this? <laughs> well, okay, it's a pretty faint star, so you might not really be able to spot it in the night sky, especially with all the light pollution we have in Perth. A difficult spot, but it's still pretty interesting because it is the second closest star system, like I said. And actually, Barnard's star is moving towards us. So at its closest point that it will ever get to Earth in about 9,000 years, it will be closer to us than Alpha Centauri is now. But that won't make it the closest star system because Alpha Centauri is also moving towards us, so it'll still be closer. (laughs) That's, uh, That's really cool. Okay, uh, so I know I'm looking for the planets. I'm looking for Ophiuchus and maybe Barnard Star if I have a telescope. Um, is there any other interesting space news happening in June? What's what's exciting? Well, the winter solstice is coming up for us, of course. Oh, the solstice. Um, I have heard, I keep hearing about the solstice. What does it actually mean? So the winter solstice is the shortest day we have here in the Southern Hemisphere, and it'll be matched by the summer solstice that the Northern Hemisphere is experiencing with their longest day. Um, so what, is, what does solstice mean? What happens on the solstice? So the sun has been slowly moving north in the sky each day. You might be able to track it if you watch where it rises each day. But on the solstice, it reverses course and starts heading back south. So if you watch sunrise after sunrise over the coming days after the solstice, you might notice the point where the sun is rising is heading further south. Oh, okay. So like on, on, on any given day, the sun still rises in the east, sets in the west. Mm-hmm. But that... The, the literally the northerly location of the sunrise and sunset is going to start drifting back further south. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so you'll notice during the day, the sun will appear further overhead in the sky until we reach our summer solstice and have our longest day during the summer. Okay. And so I'm guessing this is closely related to the seasons? Exactly. So that's why we have colder weather during winter because the sun is lower in the sky. So it's coming in at an angle, whereas in summer, it's right up above us in the sky and we have that direct sun shining on us, which is why it's warmer in summer. Oh, okay. That that makes a lot of sense. And so in, in some sense, the solstice is an astronomical dead of winter or heat, height of summer, yes, not, not necessarily on the calendar, but just astronomically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, Let's leave Earth behind for a bit. Is there any interesting news in the world of space? Like, what's happening beyond our Earth? Well, the European Space Agency just launched the JUICE mission in April. JUICE? Uh, (laughs) You know, I'm going to ask, what is JUICE? JUICE stands for Jupiter Icy Moon Explorer. Jupiter Icy Moon Explorer. Okay, Um, so is it going to Jupiter? Yes, it's doing exactly what it says in the title. It's going to head on over to Jupiter to explore some of its icy moons. So it's heading there on the Ariane 5 rocket, which you might remember was the rocket that launched the James Webb Space Telescope into space a couple years ago. I do remember that on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, and what's it going to do when it gets to Jupiter? Okay, well, first of all, it's going to take about eight years to reach Jupiter and it'll do a flyby of Earth and Venus, but then it will head on over to Jupiter. And once it's there, it will orbit Jupiter 35 times, observing the moons of Jupiter, particularly Europa, Ganymede and Callisto, and then it will settle into an orbit around Ganymede. Oh, okay, so its primary mission is to study the moons of Jupiter, not the planet itself. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it's mostly interested in observing the subsurface oceans of these moons. Wow. Uh, subsurface oceans on the moons of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are oceans important? What's Why is 
water so exciting? Well, water's quite exciting because, at least from what we found on Earth, where there's water, there's life. So if we ever find potentially that there might be liquid water out there, we're going to go find more about it to see what's happening. Oh, okay. So this is like the first stepping stone in a, a very long potential uh, mission to either look for signs of life or even just signs of places where humans could live one day. Exactly. It has the potential to be a place where life could exist, even if it doesn't currently exist. Right. Wow, that sounds really exciting. Well, the JUICE mission, pay attention in eight years. Thank you so much for being here, Amanda. I've learned a lot about the, the night sky and the Jupiter Icy Moon Explorer. It's been a real pleasure. Great. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of SciTech's Audio Guide to the Galaxy. We'll see you next month where we talk about the night sky in July. If you'd like to know more about what we've been talking about today, you can find more by going to the SciTech website, and there you'll find a link for a page called The Sky Tonight, which is a monthly blog written by us here at SciTech about all the wonderful things you can see in the night sky. <laughs>